Cardinals can tie it here. Murray throws to the left. Caught by Kirk, and we're tied. Let's go win it. Let's go win it all day. Way to keep fighting, though. Hey, we're coming now. You know, the nervous moments for me is like, what do I tell these guys? This is as bad as I've ever seen. We look, you know, like shit, basically. So it was it was a tough lesson learned, but looking back, it's probably the best thing around. There we go. There we go. All right, here we go. Here we go. Listen. Hey, hey, we need a great day today. Hard work on three. One, two, three. Hard work. Let's go, let's go, let's go. We're all going to have those those experiences. I think you got to be able to look inside yourself and, and find moments that you've you powered through before. You've attacked tough scenarios before, and, um, you know, you're going to come out of it all right. There you go, Dominique. I was like, I'm never going to have that. What ifs again or regrets again. I, I'm going to attack this with everything in my heart and soul. Shabbat, is it that the beast so damn tough? You're not always going to feel 100%. You're not always going to feel like leading or being in front of men after a tough loss, after a bad practice. But, but you, you do it and, and you get your mind right and you find a way. So Welcome to the Toughness Podcast. I'm your host, Patty Steinfurt. Today we have a guest who I'm lucky enough to call a friend, but have worked with along the way and has an absolutely incredible journey himself as both a player in the NFL and now head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. Welcome to the show, Cliff Kingsbury. Appreciate it, Patty. Good seeing you, man. Good to see you too, buddy. Thanks for joining us. Starting off, we, we often will talk about childhood and how people move to where they are right now. And we will get to that with you, but it's worth probably just touching on how our paths crossed initially. Like we, we uh, you had your good friend, Kenny Bell, and my good friend, Kenny Bell, as yeah. the intermediary there setting up this call. But we worked together for a few years when you were at, uh, at Texas Tech. And, and it's fairly unusual for a college head coach to be that open to, hey, let's get someone in who does this and, and put them in as part of the program. What was your thinking there? Yeah, I think just studying other coaches that I really respected and, and listening to their stories and how they'd, they'd implemented that in their programs, whether it was college or the NFL. And so we asked around and, and people kept bringing up your names as one of the bright um, guys in the profession. And um, so once we got you there and, and kind of saw how you interacted and saw how much the, the players really responded to you quickly and how you kind of endeared yourself to them. It was awesome. And in those two years, um, you know, we had some great, great players that, that we were lucky enough to, to come across. And, and I thought that it, it was really impactful for our program, um, you know, the time you were there. Well, I had an amazing experience there too. And you did mention some great players who we'll touch on probably later in the chat. You mentioned there you uh, looked at coaches you admired. And part of your incredible playing and coaching journey, you were actually... Uh, your first team as a pro was a little team called the New England Patriots who had a guy called Bill Belichick as the head coach. How much of his coaching rubbed off on you and how you go about things now? Yeah, I think the the biggest thing was just his attention to detail and and his never leaving any stone unturned. I mean, his teams are prepared for any situation. No matter how far-fetched it may sound in August, it usually somehow happens during the season and you're ready for it. And you practice it and you've walked it through. And I think that, that was the biggest thing I took from him. Nobody can beat Bill. I mean, he's a unique personality. He's a brilliant football coach. He's probably the only coach in the league that could coach every position and special teams and offense and defense. And, um, I mean, he's all-time great, and everybody knows that. But I think – when you're around him, you try to take certain things. And, and to me, that was the preparation each and every week. You know, he didn't let it get old for the players. He, he made you adhere to it. And, and obviously the success speaks for itself. Yeah. It, you, you talked about attention to detail, preparation. It's a, I observed it firsthand working with you. I remember the first time I walked into your office 
And I, I described it to someone the next day as it was like a scene out of a beautiful mind. There was just all these play calls like scribbled on the, on an entire wall of white boy. And these were, and when I looked at one of them, it was like from 2003 and it was like from years ago. So attention to detail is one of your things. And I uh, assume obviously some of it was from Bill, but was that always a part of you and did that, was that from growing up or like, how did that come to be one of your characteristics? It did. It's, it started with my dad. Um, obviously he, he was a uh, Marine and, and fought in Vietnam. And um, so we were kind of raised on those principles that um, with the military background, um, attention to detail was one, always be early, you know, always finish things. Uh, so there's a lot of, a lot of that going on in our household growing up. And, and my brother and I uh, were lucky enough to, to be raised that way. My brother's a really successful engineer and, um, I've been lucky enough to have some some fun in football. But, yeah, that was kind of a cornerstone of, of how we were raised. Yeah, Dad was a recipient of the Purple Heart. Uh, he, so he not only was a Vietnam vet, which you mentioned, but he was a pretty handy one at that. What do you know of the story behind why he received that? And how did that impact you as a kid when you when you learned of what it took for him to be awarded that medal? Yeah, that that's um, – he, he – didn't like to talk too much about, um, you know, his time there every now and then he, he, he'd share some things, but he, he would always be like, Hey, if you weren't there, it's hard for, for you to understand. And, and he didn't want to even go back to those memories, but I, I know they were in the jungle and, and somebody hit a trip wire and he got shot, you know, in his jaw. Um, and they come, came under heavy fire and it was two or three hours before they get the helicopter in and get him out of there. And, um, so to, to have your dad, you know, he sells the scars. You can barely tell what he sells the scars to have your dad have gone through something like that. Um, you know, the mental toughness you have to even survive that and, and, um, deal with that circumstances to me, I, I was always just, um, so impressed by him and, you know, he volunteered to go, he didn't get drafted. So he, he's done things that I, I question if I could ever do. And, and, um, so then a huge point of pride for me in my life that, that he served our country. And was that an element of that you were able to draw a perspective from where like you, you might've had a tough day at the office. Exactly. Yeah, right. And, and it was we're, like, we're down at halftime. I've been cut. All right. Are you, or you have a bruise on the field. You better get your ass up, get to the sideline. Like if the bone's not sticking out and you're bleeding, find your way to the sideline. So did you at the time, as you're getting raised like that, right? Some kids would, uh, push back against being told to be on time or attention to detail, et cetera. Did, did you find at the time as a kid that you were like, yeah, I've got to do this? Or was it, was it still a little like, was there some rebellion in you? No, my dad's pretty intense. So <laughs> there wasn't going to be any rebellion. And, and my mom was, was a, a educator in high school, um, very talented lady, did a bunch of stuff outside of teaching as well. And so both of them, you know, showed us at an early age, if you want to have success, like here's kind of some cornerstones to follow. Uh, and we were very lucky to, to have that. Yeah. And it, like, it, it obviously led to, you've had an incredibly successful life to date, still only a young man and a young coach, but the purpose of this show and this series is to talk about some of these characteristics that you said your, your dad instilled in you and they made you a good football player, a good coach. Um, like at what point along that journey, if you look back over the 40 odd years that you've been on earth, uh, 40, it's just 40, 40 at this point. Yeah. It's uh, how far off till 40. Odd? <laughs> Not very far. <laughs> I got less than a month. So I'm holding on to 40. All right. 40, four zero. We'll make sure we make that very clear. Um, if you go back over those years, most guests, and even when I'm, you know, it's not a guest, if I'm talking to a player, coach, uh, military operator, whoever it is, someone who's a high performer can point to a 
uh, almost a turning point or an actual moment, a game, an event, an interaction with another human where it's like that was the point where I recognised that there's more to just being good than just being physically good or having this talent or being in the right place at the right time and that there is an element of mental toughness that that's a separator both in the moment but also over the long term is there a, can you pinpoint something like that along your pathway where you're like yeah that was a point where i realized that's this is more important than people might give it credit yeah i, I think that you know being the son of a coach and playing Texas high school football and, and all these things i i was set up on, on a pretty good path to be successful we had a good high school team um you know things went played early in college so things were going pretty smoothly and i, I think the I was fortunate enough, you know, to get drafted by the Patriots that you talked about and, and to witness Tom Brady, who has the greatest story probably in the history of sports when you're talking about overcoming things and, um, you know, being a six-round pick, splitting time in college and just watching how he did everything at an elite level, the maniacal approach where it was his entire life was dedicated to being the greatest quarterback of all time, the food he puts in his body, the routine, the recovery, all of it. I, I think to me, that's when it really hit me like this, this is the separator here because everybody's pretty good. And I thought I was pretty good. I thought I worked hard until I, I witnessed what, what he put into football and how much it meant to him. And I think that was the big eye opener for me. Like this is a different animal here. He, uh, he is a different animal, and that's amazing that you got to observe that up close. You, you kind of right. skipped a little bit there in the story of you happen to be a pretty handy college quarterback yourself. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Literally one of only three people in history to have gone over 10,000 yards. You broke, not just broke, smashed a bunch of NCAA records. And yet you still look at that and you say, I wasn't as good as I probably thought I was. Right. Why, right. why do you think? Why do you think that you can put up those numbers and then you go, yeah, I'm still like, I wasn't as good as I thought I was. Yeah, I just like I said, I, I think for me, it, it all came fairly easy. Um, I'm not trying to be conceited when I say that, but I'm saying the path, like I said, I was set on. My dad was my head high school football coach, so I was going to camp, so I was doing all these things. I could throw at an early age, so I, I had success early. College, I played early. We, we get a very pass friendly revolutionary coach in there and Mike Leach. So, you know, I'm throwing the ball all over the place. We're having, having a lot of success. Got to play with Wes Welker, who makes you look good no matter where you put it. And so I, I think looking back on it, there's more I could have done. Had I been challenged maybe earlier, maybe that would have helped, you know. But um, once you get to the league and, and that's the eye-opener that sometimes is tough to, you know, restart and figure it out and say, all right, well, we got to we gotta adjust and um, really step our game up here. And, and so yeah. I – back and said there's definitely things i could have done um and put more into it and um you know as i transitioned to coaching that that's what i learned and that's why i was like i'm never going to have that again i'm never going to have the what ifs again or regrets again I, i'm going to attack this with everything in my heart and soul and so it was it was a tough lesson learned but looking back it's probably the best thing that ever happened to me right you, you mentioned challenges there often people will point to challenges as a as a turning point or a point where they make a shift and you you've Describe it perfectly there where it was a okay i'm not doing that again i'm going up a level right um what, what was the the first time you really felt you got challenged you said if i got challenged earlier it, it might have helped but wh when was the first time you look at it and you're like wow i was really challenged there and I, I either wasn't up to it or it broke me kind of but made me i, I would say that that first year in the pros i mean i had my entire life that's all i wanted to do was play quarterback you know, no backup plan kind of mentality where it's say like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to be wildly successful and go and 
um, you get there and it, it doesn't go like you expected and you get released and, um, you know, you're embarrassed and all these different things that I hadn't dealt with yet. And, and I think that was the, the kind of moment that um, I let it affect my confidence. I, I, I hadn't been through that before. And um, so I, I don't ever think I really recovered from that as a player, that experience. And um, looking back, you wish you'd been more mentally tough and handled in different ways. And, but if you hadn't been through it, you know, you, you don't know how to handle that. Right, right. And, and it, it probably, well, not probably, we spoke about this one time, that your ability to have gone through some of those hardships where you've been a player who wasn't as successful as you might have wanted to be actually allowed you to be a better coach because you can connect better with kids who are struggling, right? No question. And I think the biggest thing, and you know this, is, is when you're going through that the first time, you, you want to have that victim mentality where I'm the one getting screwed over and the coach isn't playing me and I'm not getting the refs. So, if, if you're in that league, you get your opportunities and stuff to you to make the most of it. And I, I didn't see it like that. I, I wanted to, to blame others for my shortcomings at that time. And um, you got to go through it. And, and now as a coach, like you said, it's really helped me because I can talk through guys, talk through those scenarios with guys and say, I've been in your shoes. I, I know what you're feeling. Um, and trust me, you know, coaches want to win games. They want to keep their job. They're not screwing you over. If you were good enough, you'd be playing and you'd be getting the reps. Yeah, yeah. Um, you you talk there a little around you said if i had been more mentally tough and it's a great word and we all throw it around particularly in football it's a strong theme in the military it's a strong theme even in some of the other areas where i work with performers like doctors in emergency departments that's tough particularly dealing with COVID and all that sort of right. business right that's that's incredibly tough hard to imagine but what does it actually mean though like for for some people it might mean one thing for some, it might mean others. For you and your experience, both as a player and then now as a coach at the highest level, and also potentially even referring back to seeing your father who had a military mindset, what does toughness mean to you? To me, it's being able to, to process the information, um, you know, process coaching, process the situation you're in, um, and being honest with yourself, and, and then, you know, attack it moving forward and, and not going through those down periods where you're feeling, feeling sorry for yourself because, you know, we all have a story. We, we've all been through things that we could all point to, and this is why this happened, this is why that happened. But it, to me, it's, it's you know, to process information and, and getting a, a new plan and attacking without going through that lull, without going feeling sorry for yourself. And, um, you know, those are still things I'm working on to this day, but I, but I think we've definitely come a long way in that area. And how, when you say you're working on them, what, what does that look like? Like, how do you, how do you, as a head coach of NFL team, work on being tougher, improving your ability to process stuff, whether it's good or bad, and not get knocked off track and still keep doing your thing? How do, how do you get better at that? Yeah, it's it's trying to be brutally honest with myself, and and then being able to to process information better and, and allow others to to have information, you know, into uh, different decisions I make. I think that's that's a big part of it. Um, being a head coach, you have other people's opinions and you have great uh, resources on your staff that can bring you information and being able to hear the criticism and hear the ideas and, and processes it and not get offended and not think that somebody's you know, trying to get over on you. I think that's, that's a big part of it. And so I, I try to just take it for what it is, um, see the situation as it unfolded, uh, gather as much information and then come back with, with a stronger um, you know, answer and, and uh, attack uh, the next time. You've used the word attack there about 20 times. I like it. It's, 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 <laughs> part, it's part of your mentality. I, the other thing I remember first coming in, I think the first time I visited, maybe the second time, 
you you would be in the gym. Do you still do your four a.m. lifts these days? I do. Yeah, I try to I try to get it in um, early. It, it's a, a great time for me to just be alone with my thoughts. I try to get in there, kind of by myself, and work out and, and challenge myself. And then I, I've always felt if I'm going to ask those players to, to do those workouts and put that type of time in, then I wanted to show hey, I'm willing to do the same thing and even even earlier than you. And, and that's just been a mentality I've had. It's you know not not for everybody. It's not anything that's necessary, but for me it works, and um, I, I think it helps keep me sharp. It's an admirable trait, and and the first couple of times I almost thought, oh, maybe you know, maybe he's just doing he's doing it for show. He's like trying to send a message, but it was incredibly consistent, and not surprised that you're still doing it to date. <laughs> you know, you talked about attack and force of will at times, and you've used Tom Brady as an example, your father, yourself, in terms of being able to be strong and stick to something. Right, and that's and that's definitely an element of what we're talking about here. But there are other times, particularly in life, less so potentially in sport, but where I can't force my way through something. Right, and if if you're okay talking about it, your mother passed away uh, a little while back, and that was obviously a, a fairly tough experience. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, no question. Right, and so how do you apply what you've learned about? being tough and dealing with hard shit to something that is like almost incomprehensible and you can't fix or attack? Right. That, that, that's a great question. And I think I, I have um, a mentality and I think a lot of people do, but you, you try to always spin things into motivation for you. Um, however, you have to do that. And I, I think that was it. Um, when my mom passed away, it was she was a fantastic, like the best mom you could ever possibly have. Always, you know, gave to my brother and I everything she had. Made sure we were as um, comfortable in life and, and on a path of success as anybody could possibly be. And um, so when she passed, you know, I, I was down for a bit, and you know, had the dark year or two where I did feel sorry for myself and went through it. And then I think you just figure out, hey, I want to make her proud and I want to show her what what she raised and who she raised and so I, I was able to turn that um you know into, into motivation I still use it to this day but there was there was definitely the the um healing part of it I guess where you went through it and you felt sorry for yourself and what was me um but at the end of the day you know she she's kind of why I wake up early and why I do everything and um you know uh, that that's been a big big part of the motivation for me on a daily basis it's it's a great a nuanced answer there that you gave around like at times it's not about sometimes ignoring how you feel or it's not about just getting through things occasionally it is taking that feeling and channeling into something how often do you find as a coach that you're having to help facilitate that for a player even even a fellow coach even yourself sometimes to be like hey this is shitty but how are we going to actually get make things better as a result of this i think that's a big part of my my coaching um, you know, method is, is I put a lot of thought into that. All right, we just got blasted at home. It was embarrassing. We're all embarrassed. All right, how do we how do we spin this and make sure that that we don't let it linger and, and let it beat us twice? And, and what is the verbiage I'm going to use to make sure, like I talked about, we can go right back into attack mode and, and not feel sorry for ourselves over the next three days, which would allow us to get beat again. And, and so um, I, I'm big on that. I think that's that's how I coach. I, I don't. I'm not a big negative guy or, or let things linger or let things sit. I want to flip it somehow and make sure we're all on the same message and, and pushing forward in a positive way as soon as possible. The ability to flip that is an interesting um, skill set 
because it is something, you know, you've mentioned it a few times about your own handling situations, about doing that as a coach. Shifting more to your coaching journey now as opposed to some of the journey to becoming a coach, let's say for the entire time you've been a coach, your quarterbacking tree, if you will, the, the, the number and quality of individuals who have been under your tutelage is fairly impressive for someone who's only been coaching for a relatively short time. And I'm just going to, for listeners who aren't fully aware, I'll rattle off some names. Um, it's uh, a couple of Heisman winners, right? So there's Johnny Manziel, there's Baker Mayfield, uh, there is uh, uh, Case Keenum, who's a pretty handy eight-year backup quarterback. Um, Davis Webb is also a backup quarterback and a kid who happens to have just signed the biggest deal in sports history uh, very recently named Pat Mahomes could arguably end up to be one of the best ever if he continues at the trajectory that he's going right now. How much of that would you, and you're a humble man, so you're probably going to answer this in a very humble way, but how much of that do you look at those guys and say they had some of those skills already, they were able to flip them versus even the best still need to learn these skills and they learn by practicing and by having someone guide them through it. Yeah, I, I think you nailed it. There, there's to get where they got, even when I started working with them, they had to have some of that in them. And, and when, when you're talking about like a Case Keenum who, you know, didn't get drafted, he set every NCAA record ever. I mean, stuff that will never be touched and then they get drafted. And then, um, you know, Five years later, he takes the Vikings to the NFC Championship. You know, that takes a lot of willpower and a lot of mental toughness. He went through an ACL injury um, his senior year, got an extra, all these different things. But prior to that, I mean, super competitive, coach's kid, all these things. You know, Baker Mayfield saying they're walk-on. Nobody gave him a scholarship, so he had that chip, went through that. Um, you know, it, you can go on and on. But I, I do think there is something to them when they get there, and, and then there's usually – um, a person or, or people that they're around that, that help kind of mold that and, and help them take the next step in becoming kind of that elite level type player or athlete. And you talk about the people around them, like a person or people around them who help mold it. It's a really, there's a lot of research that talks about the support community around the individuals that is actually as important to toughness as just the individual's character, right? Right. Because right? uh, we can all get worn down and it helps to have some people there to hold us up sometimes what sort of things do you look at from a teammate point of view where the, the, these guys may have had teammates that didn't make the league but were exceptional individuals who helped them in some ways what do you look at as a as a good quality of a teammate that helps others handle shit better yeah i, th I think the selflessness um you know putting the team first always and then you could probably ask, you know, all five of those guys, like, hey, who was somebody in your college career that really helped lift you up? Whether it was a, a senior when you got there as a freshman or somebody else who, you know, selflessly helped you become a better player. And, and that's, you know, not everybody's willing to do that. Um, you know, it's a, it's a competitive environment in college when you're in the league and not everybody's willing to, to kind of, um, you know, wholeheartedly try to help you become a better player regardless of, of a threat of you being a, more of a star of them or taking playing time from them. And I think to me that that the guys that I've seen do that, whether it's in, in coaching or playing, that have genuinely helped me just because that's in their nature, um, you never forget those people. Who would spring to mind first where you're like, that was, that was that guy for me. People may not even know their name. They may. It could be someone famous, but it might not be. But you're like, yeah, that person actually – 
supported me and made me more resilient just by their presence or by them doing this or that or the other. Yeah, in college, uh, we had a, a quarterback who was a year younger than me, and he ended up, he still has the NCAA record for the most passing yards in a single season. He was a tremendous player, and he was, so he backed me up three years. Um, could have easily been starting, you know, I mean, that talented, you know, we're, could have went either way um, in, in our competition. And he was the most supportive, one of my best friends to this day, great human being. And, and that always meant a lot to me because he, he lifted me up. And when he get, had his opportunity, I mean, he was phenomenal. Um, so BJ Simmons, I'll always be indebted to him for the way he handled that situation and, and was a friend of me through that. Do you think that when you look at guys who are in that situation who handle it well, so they're potentially good enough, but they're not rewarded. And I'll say guys and girls, because outside of football, this happens to just humans in general. You've got the talent, you work hard, you're producing at a level that probably would get you the results elsewhere, but your current situation is holding you where it is, right? And for a time, that was even Pat Mahomes early on in his career at Texas Tech. He wasn't starting straight away. There was a little bit of back and forth. But he handled it super professionally and as a good teammate and just turned up and did his job, right? Do you think there's something to, let's use a military example, uh, someone wanted the promotion, they didn't get it because someone else in the platoon got it. And as a teammate, as a, as a fellow squad member, I need to be able to turn to that person and help them get through it. How would you uh, suggest people help other people get through that stuff? I think that's a great scenario um, you talked about. It. It, it's, to me, it's recognizing, letting those people know you recognize how good they are, what they could be doing. Um, you appreciate them and, and just making sure that they understand that. Uh, it, to me, when it goes dark and, and you think you're doing everything you can and nobody is showing you any sort of uh, recognition and, and you feel deserving, that, that's the tough part. But as long as, hey, the guys that you trust and believe in are pointing out, hey, you did a hell of a job, you could have easily had that keep grinding, great things are coming. To me, that that is a, a great support system to have around you. Yeah, it's a fantastic point. There is a lot of research around just – even small acts of recognition to show that you're progressing in some way. No one else might see it, but I see it as a coach. I was actually talking yesterday with a friend who is also from the psychology realm and his son happens to be a Broadway singer, like prodigy. He's touring with Les Mis. And he used to, when he's on tour, he would have all these amazing people who are world-class point to him and say, hey, great job, kid. Like you crushed it today in in that song or you were great tonight. And now all he does is sing by himself and he gets no feedback. And, and he was talking about like how hard it is to recognize that progress in the absence of right. external feedback. Right. Yeah, that's the whole, that's the whole saying it, it gets lonely at the top, you know, a hundred percent, a hundred and one percent. But that in essence, we actually started talking about it was the value of a really good coach or mentor or guide is that even in the absence of external recognition, I know this whole thing well enough that I can chunk it down and just say, just do this one thing. And if you do that well, we're like, it's a millimeter closer, but you are moving closer to what we want. Did you have someone like that from your coaching tree? Let's say rather than becoming a good player, as you started to become a coach, how did you know that you were getting better as a coach, as a leader? Yeah, I think I was fortunate enough. Kevin Sumlin uh, gave me an opportunity, I guess, in 08 to, to be an offensive quality control at University of Houston. And, and he was a guy who was really positive um, and, and would just kind of let you know consistently, hey, I appreciate you doing a heck of a job. You know, you're on the right path. Um, and then he allowed me to be myself, which that, that's huge. I think sometimes different coaches 
want people to, to kind of be in their footsteps or emulate them. He, he didn't. He wanted to be myself, you know, act the way I act, dress the way I, I dress, call plays the way I call plays, coach the way I coach. And um, he would reinforce that to me. And, and that went a long way. And, and so I, I always have a great appreciation of that because he didn't kind of stick me in a box that you're going to coach this way, you're going to dress this way, you're going to act this way. He allowed me to be myself. And, and to me, that's kind of made all the difference in the world. That's a great, that's a great example of, I'm going to actually hold it up here because you've said two things, which are both true, but they kind of conflict a little bit where one thing is my dad taught me this and it was drilled into us. We are rigid. We do not compromise. This is who you are right. and you're going to, and you're going to do these things, right? Versus one of the coaches who had a big impact on your coaching was like, yo, man, you do you. Like right. if you get, if you're going to be that guy, if you're going to be whatever. Mm-hmm. So can you see how they kind of, yeah, no doubt. And, and I think, I think that that's the thing I was, I was still going to, you know, try to be the first one in the office. I was going to try to outwork people. I was going to have this still my work, but I was going to, my personality was going to be myself. I wasn't going to try to act like somebody else, coach like somebody else, uh, design plays like somebody else. And, and so I, I think, you know, there can be that, that healthy mix. Um, but being true to yourself to me is huge in this profession. And if you're not, I think, you know, players, particularly at this level can, can see through it and they can feel that. For sure. We spoke about that a bit about Pat, actually. I remember having some chats where you even said these words, there's something about him. And I didn't know enough because I'd only been around him for maybe a a few visits during the first year I was there. But as as time went past, I was like, yeah, I can kind of see what you're talking about. There's just this thing. And guys gravitated to him because he was himself, right? No doubt. Now, a lot of the work that we did on a leadership front for some of the players that was included in that was trying to get guys to agree on here are the non-negotiables like this is what we're about as a team but you can still be yourself right right how do you reconcile that with players who are like you know but me i'm a lazy guy like that's part of their personality if you will how do you how do you talk through a player who's part of his personality doesn't fit with the values that you're trying to instill that's a tough one. And I think to me that that becomes where it's really team driven, which which you were big on when we worked together was that that can't be as much from the coach, maybe as, as from those teammates and, and their culture and what what they'll um, accept from that player. And, and uh, I think that that's the way I would handle that is like, hey, this is our culture. Our players understand that. And guys, you got to make sure this this cat knows that won't be accepted. And there were some good examples of that while uh, while we were no there. You you did say that Pat had something about him by the time he was there, and you already had him, right? You'd coached him for a year or two at that point, and you'd obviously seen plenty. What about as you were recruiting someone who was turned out to be exceptional, off the charts exceptional? Back when he was in high school, you obviously liked him well enough to say, hey, come play with us. And you were one of maybe two schools who made offers, four schools. It wasn't, he wasn't highly recruited, mm-hmm. right? Right. right. And so what did you see besides his physical capabilities? Because he's got a rocket arm and his dad played ball. So there's a little bit there. What did you see personality-wise or character-wise in a guy like that that made you feel like there's something about him that other people don't see? Competitiveness jumped out, you know, through the roof. He, he was all-state basketball, all-state baseball, all-state football. And when he stepped on the court or the field, it was like, even though he had, you've been around, he has this cool kind of calm demeanor and he's true to himself. I mean, he would cut your throat to win the game and, and he would sell out and do whatever it took to win. And I think that more than anything, when he stepped on any field, he, he knew he was the best player and he acted like it and just competitive, you know, to the nth degree. 
Yeah, yeah, I have absolutely seen that. And that's been amplified more in no recent times, obviously, right. with what people see of cutaways on the sidelines and, and yeah. his speeches to his team at the And program. I think you, you've seen, and that, this brings up a good point, that leadership can, can evolve and be developed because that wasn't who he was completely. I mean, he, the players loved him because he was true to himself and he led in his own way. But being as vocal as he is, I mean, even at Tech, it was year one, year two, year three. And now watching him in Kansas City, I mean, he's up here. Um, the way he – those guys and the way he interacts with his teammates. And it's just – so it can be developed. And he's a prime example of it. Yeah, 100%. And that was, and that was a lot of – he has this thing. He's very talented, but he's not that willing to challenge his teammates at times, right? right. Which was something we did have to work on. And, and, and the cool thing about – We'll talk, um, little diversion here, but I'm going to circle back to you and Pat as an example. I, I had a I had a um, colleague once who said we were talking about San Antonio Spurs and their dynasty, and you know how do you replicate their culture and yada yada yada. And they were like, "Look, you can do all the fancy stuff you want, but here's the key to a great culture: is when the best player has the same values as the head coach, things are going to work out pretty well." Right. And that was what I saw between the two of you. He. He did grow and evolve in that leadership stuff. He got better as a football player, clearly. But there was elements of his approach to some of the work that we did that were basically mirror images of what I would have expected if it was Cliff Kingsbury sitting in there at the same time with his college career. Where if you put something in front of him, he would do it. And it was just, there wasn't a, oh, I'm going to be a little bit lazy, right. a little bit late. Everything got done. Everything, even if he didn't quite know exactly where it was going, he was going to be all in on it. Did you see that before he got there or was that something that revealed itself to you as you started working with him one-on-one? More working with him. I knew, like I said, he was super competitive, obviously incredibly talented, um, but I, I didn't know just how, like you said, willing he was just to, to hop in and, and do things. And um, very, very smart young man, as, as you know. I mean, he, that's, I think, a, a piece of his game that gets lost is he's a brilliant young man at a 3.7 GPA. He retains information, can give it back to you as good as anybody ever been around and but when when you ask him to do something he's going to get it done and, and that's uh that's worked out for him obviously yeah yeah and it, and it and it really was a it's a it's been shown to be a key characteristic of people who develop quicker than others right right now, he may not have developed as quick as others during high school because he was busy playing 17 sports at exactly once. but once right. once he was isolated to one sport it, it really accelerated quickly. And that was one of the things that we spoke, you and I spoke about, but obviously it was relevant to his development at Texas Tech was that in order to be a really good leader, to have that impact on others and to run a team like you can see he does now in Kansas City, you have to be able to play well yourself, like yeah. do your job first. And that to get some consistency in that took some work, but he was always willing to do that work. No doubt. Uh, is there a, an equivalent for you that you, I mean, obviously you've been in football and swallowed up by football for decades now, but is there something outside of football that you look at and you're like that, that I see that in a similar way. There are other people in this different industry that I'm kind of in contact with that I see those same characteristics and the, the same, this plays out as success in that arena. I just think all, all my friends that have been successful in whatever, um, you know, job it is or career it is, they, they have that same type of mentality where if we're going to do something together or we're taking a trip together or whatever we're doing, 
things are going to get done. And, and, you know, it may not be right the first time, but there, there's kind of that attack mentality that we talked about and we're going to, we're going to try to figure it out. And, um, you know, those that, that kind of wait and want to think about it or feel it out. Um, just, it's, it's a, just a different feel when you have the people that, that are wildly successful, whatever they've chosen to do, because if something's laid out in front of them, they go after it. I'm going to steal someone saying, you know, I don't know who I'm quoting. Hopefully I can go back into post-production and put their name here. But the, the saying goes that like you're either playing not to lose or you're playing to win. And that, and that applies clearly in, in football, but in life as much. I'm, I'm curious, you've mentioned a few of what I would uh, refer to potentially as heroes, like people you look at and you're like, I, I have tried to emulate them in this area. You've spoken of your parents, uh, Bill Belichick as a coach. Are there any other individuals that, that you look at and you're like, I actually tried to pull a bit of their personality out of them and replicate it because I saw that as a key to me achieving what I wanted in my life. When I got into coaching, I mean, a guy who um, I know you're familiar with, but Pete Carroll, just, just the energy, just the consistency in that approach. It's like, the, the, I mean, he's never had a bad day is how he comes across. And I think his teammates, I mean, his team feels that, his coaches feel that, and he's going to have that type of juice each and every day, whether they've won five in a row or lost five in a row. And, and that, to me, is, is a strong, strong um, you know, quality of a, a great leader. And he's done it with – you know, won a national championship at the college level, won a Super Bowl at the NFL level. And if, you know, having been in both, if you can do it in both, I mean, you're as good a coach as there is. And so he's a guy that, that I just have a tremendous amount of respect with the way he approaches that, um, you know, hit building every time he walks in with high energy, you know, keeps guys going. You know, he, he just doesn't appear to have a bad day ever. It's kind of the same as you attacking your workouts every morning at 4 a.m., right? It's, it's you're a beast. Surely there are some days you get up and you don't feel like it. Like you're a right. human, even though you're a beast and you're a machine in that sense, you're also human. What do you do on the days where you're like, uh, today I just don't really feel like that guy? <laughs> you just, you just go. I think that <laughs> just show up, you know, I think that's, there's that line that it's whatever 90% of life just showing up. You just show up and, and, um, and roll and, and it's, you're not always going to feel hundred percent. You're not always going to feel like leading or being in front of men. I mean, there's plenty of days I don't want to get in front of that team after a tough loss, after a bad practice, but, but you, you do it and, and you get your mind right and you find a way to, to make sure that you're convincing and, and can uplift, uplift others. And, and that's what leaders are asked to do. I don't know if I shared this line with you, but I definitely spoke about it with Pat a couple of times that life or the game doesn't give a shit how you feel. Right. And it's, it's a common, like, yeah, I feel bad or I feel tired or I'm embarrassed, whatever it is. Well, life doesn't really care. The ref doesn't care. The crowd doesn't care. Uh, the game definitely doesn't care. And action trumps emotion every time. Yeah, consistency to me is, is so huge. Because if I stand up and one day I'm up with the team and the next day you're going to tell them down, it's just that that's not going to work. I mean, consistency in your approach, win, lose, or draw, we're going to show up, we're going to be about this, we're going to do this, we're going to handle our business. There's going to be times that you're going to need to jump on people and everybody understands that. That's part of the deal. But um, consistently having a high energy, you know, being the same guy every day to me is very impactful for those guys. Right. And that's, again, I was about to, I was about to call you out on that, but you, you clarified it at the end. Consistency in being who you are, not in necessarily what you're doing is that what you're saying because because right. what if like what i'm doing is wrong we're losing right, right? or right. this isn't working with that player like being co consistent to a fault is going to be a problem right you so got to be able to evolve and change no doubt and, and adjust not that but i just consistency in who you are as, as 
I mean, you, how you come across the players when you stand up there, can they tell if you're up, you're down, you're the same guy every day? To me, is, is really impactful for your team to see that you're the same guy every day, whether they've lost three in a row or won three in a row, you're bringing the same intensity, the same approach to that building that day. Yeah, we've touched on a few points of your journey over the course of the chat so far. Part of it was a short stint at the Patriots where you happen to get a Super Bowl ring. So congrats on that. Appreciate um, it. As you, as you would say, you probably weren't as involved as you would have liked, but you still got a ring, more than 99.9% of the world. I assume that's a highlight, but what, if you look back over your journey, what, what's another point where you're like, that was actually where I feel like that's a highlight for me that I'm, I won't forget very often and I also potentially learned or it added and evolved who I am. Starting in high school, when, when you're able to play for your, your dad, he's your head high school coach We're from a small town in Texas and, and we had a really you know, good senior year there and kind of brought the community together. That was, was huge for us as a family. I mean, to, to, since you could walk, you were on a football field and to be a part of that in that town, um, that, that was really something that made me fall in love with the game to see how it can impact so many people. Yeah, I'm picturing, I haven't seen high school football in Texas besides Friday Night Lights. And I'm picturing that, right? And watching you Similar, le- less, less dramatic, not as... <laughs> wild things going on but yeah similar type pageantry and passion and things of that nature is there any part of that experience that you carry into an nfl building now just i try to keep an appreciation for the game i think you can get so close to the fire here you you forget what it means how big the nfl is to those people in new Braunfels, texas or, or those players in lubbock texas who you know, they want to be Larry Fitzgerald. They want to be Kyler Murray. They want to dress like him. They want to play like him. They want to celebrate in the end zone like him. And, and I, I feel like I bring a unique perspective because I was down there and I watched how they'd come in on Monday and talk about the games and talk about the players. And when you get here, you know, you can get in the grind. You, you can f- lose perspective on that. But from coaches to, to, you know, family members who worked with them in peewee leagues, it means so much to those people them being able to be in the NFL and then being able to say, I worked with that guy or he's my cousin or, or my son. And I think I try to, to make sure I, I stay connected to that because you can get in the fire and you lose a couple of games and it's so intense and there's so much pressure. You, you always want to keep that type of appreciation for, for what that means to so many people. You talk there about um, the impact that, that uh, Larry Fitzgerald, as an example, uh, Kyle Amari can have on, a kid halfway around the country and because I'm from Australia and I know it actually impacts people halfway around the world as well. Right. If you were to look at um, your coaching, so you, you put a lot of juice into it, you're, you're bringing the energy every day, you're up at 4am, you're scribbling plays at midnight, you're like your life is, is all in on this. As you said at the start of the call, you are doing this with all of your heart and your spirit and your soul, you're in, right? there's a bit of a question of, of why, like what, what do you hope to achieve with your coaching? Is it that impact on a kid in Texas or is it because, I mean, clearly you want to win, you're competitive. What is it that, that gives you that juice on a day when you don't feel like it, that you can still go all in? For me, it's, it's the players, you know, in that room, I, I get inspired when I walk into to that room, whether it was at Texas Tech or University of Houston, Texas a and um, their stories, what they've overcome, who they are as people, and, and to, to try and help them maximize who they are, to me, is, gives me a great feeling of accomplishment and success and fulfillment. And, and um, you know, they're, they're, they're pretty incredible when you go down the line of, of if you've made it to the slow, what you overcome, 
some of them come from, you know, tough backgrounds, tough scenarios, and, and somehow, some way, they were able to persevere through all of it to get to this elite level of, of athletics. And, and I, I just want to make sure that I, I'm adding to, to their story and, and trying to help them become the best, you know, person and player that they can become. You're reminding me as you, uh, as you shared that answer there of, do you remember at one point I put together a, uh, a little document of like here over the course of a 16, 12 game season, 16 game season, here's a theme that might come up each week. Yeah. And here's yeah, a couple, bit of material yeah. or whatever. And the front of it was prefaced with the uh, Rudyard Kipling poem, If. Yeah. And right. and I was like, oh, this is partly like I'm trying to subtly put this into the program. And you're like, oh, that's great. I love that. That's like right. hanging up on my wall. Why was that poem strong for you? Like, where, where did your connection to it come from? Because for those who aren't aware of it, something to the effect of if you can handle all this shit in life and at the end still be you, then not only is the world going to be yours, but what's more, you're a man. And that was part of what we were trying to put into the program that season. Why is that such a strong token for you, that poem? Yeah, for me, my mom had um, sent that to me. We, we had a tough game. I guess my sophomore year, I would played really bad, two or three interceptions, fans booing, all this stuff. Hadn't had faced much adversity by then, and she sent me that poem. Um, and when you go through it, I mean, it's like to, to, you know, have everything taken from you and people call you names and you still believe in yourself and, you know, you can hang with, you know, crowds or, or, or kings and still, you know, keep your virtues. I mean, it's a, it's a very powerful poem. It kind of covers it all. And like you said, in the end of it, it's like, and what's more, you'll become a man, my son. And, and that um, has just always stuck with me. When, when you read through that, you know, it's kind of what, what you want to be as, as a human being um, through all the trials and tribulations of your life. Yeah, and it's a, and to me, I don't know if I've actually shared this with you directly, but I, I know that we've talked uh, occasionally as we've finished seasons and said, hey, thanks, that was great. But you definitely live that in not only the way you go about things, but in – what you give to the players you're effectively instilling that poem and that's probably why it appealed to me as part of that package because it kind of speaks about you as a as a human so little little bit of unsolicited feedback for you there i appreciate that what do you hope you're able to do moving forward now it's been a great journey to now let's park the fact that you want to win a super bowl that's i'll take that as a given what do you want to be able to do moving forward with with what we've you know the topic of this call Continue to, to evolve as a coach, continue to evolve as a, as a leader on a personal level. And, and then just, you know, there's an organization here that we have a bunch of tremendous um, guys who, who, who want to win. And they've shown that to me and they embrace me coming in, you know, a college coach who'd, who'd been fired at his previous stop. And, and the way they they never blinked, they never questioned, you know, they, they got in behind me and, and have supported me. So I, I want to help, you know, bring success to this organization. The belief in me coming from where I came from, the unique circumstances, something I always be indebted to. And so I just want to help lift this organization and, um, you know, make it a place that players want to come and, and try to compete at a high level. Very cool. And then one last question that I almost forgot, but it's it's something that I ask every single guest because depend, regardless of what arena you're playing in, whether it is NFL football, college football, or it is a, uh, a battlefield in the Vietnam War, whether you're in a surgery, uh, surgical room, whether you're on stage in Broadway, there are what I refer to as sweaty palms moments where it's like, okay, we're about to do this and I can't go backwards. Like it would actually be worse if I tried to get out of what's about to happen. The kickoff's about to happen. Uh, we're about to make our first move, whatever it is, and it's too late now, And I, but I know that I'm nervous, right? You face that 
in a number of ways, playing, obviously, coaching, obviously. But when you sit for interviews as a head, like I want this head coaching gig and I have to go and present right. people, there's another one of those examples, right? Right. Press conferences, I'm sure, sometimes feel like right. that. Yeah. And so when you have those moments, what would your advice be to someone, whether it's someone in the military or it's someone at school about to sit an exam, whatever it is, someone's going to have a chat to their girlfriend, or it could be anything. What would your advice be to someone who's about to face that and handle that moment? Like, How do you actually get, not just get through, but how do you attack that as opposed to just get through? To me, it's you go back and um, find moments that, that you've done it before. I think that that's always helped me. There was this past season, uh, very first game of the year, a lot of hype. You know, we're supposed to have this high-flying offense, all these things. In the first half of Detroit, like, we couldn't get a first down. The crowd's booing. You know, everything had been kind of roses with the team and everything. Hadn't faced any adversity. And so we're going at a halftime. And that was one of, you know, the nervous moments for me. Is like, what do I tell these guys? This is as bad as I've ever seen. We look, you know, like shit, basically. And um, So that was one of those times I had to reach back and draw upon the experience before of, you know, how did we get through these things like this? You know, what do I need to say to these guys? And um, was able to, to persevere and played a lot better the second half, but we're all going to have those, those experiences. I think you got to be able to look inside yourself and, and find moments that you've, you've powered through before you've attacked tough scenarios before. And um, you know, you're going to come out of it. All right. Great advice and a great way to end the call cliff. Thanks again for your time. Uh, obviously a, a, um, a topic that's dear to your heart and uh, and you live it, like I said before, every day. So really thankful for you coming on. Uh, good luck for the season coming up. Hopefully you uh, get better this year and get closer to that goal. Appreciate it, Pat. Let me just say this. I know there's a lot of military personnel watching and, and just want to thank everybody for their, their service. Being the son of a, a Marine and, and um, a Purple Heart recipient, There was there's never been a prouder um, I guess point in my life than knowing that my dad served um, our country and fought for our country. That, that's always been something that's been close and dear to my heart. It means the world to, to me, um, and I just have such a great appreci- appreciation for all of y'all. So thank you for all you do.